Hello and welcome to the podcast. You're listening to Be Uncluttered. I'm Rebecca Mazzino and with me is Tara Tuttle and together we are going to help you on your journey to a life free of clutter. Hi and welcome to this week's show. This week we have Diana Yates with us. She is the founder and CEO of Wannabe Clutter Free and the host of the popular podcast, The Wannabe Minimalist Show, where she helps busy families learn how to let go of the stuff that's holding them back so that they can enjoy more time together, stop spending their weekends cleaning the house and wake up excited for the day ahead. Deanna is mum to one daughter. She's wife to a startup entrepreneur and she's currently living her dream life in San Diego, California. Welcome, Deanna. Thanks for coming on the show. Hi, Tara. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to have you because today we are going to talk about frugality, which is a topic I've been wanting to do for ages. And I'm, I found the person, you are so the person to talk about this with me. So I want to explore what it means to be frugal, what the benefits of being frugal are, and maybe a few pitfalls to watch out for if we've got time. But before we dive into all of that, do you want to share a little bit of background about yourself so our listeners know who they're listening to? No, happy to. So um, as you said, my name is Deanna Yates, and I am passionate about helping people let go of the stuff that's holding them back. Now, that could be their physical stuff that they've been holding on to for years. It could be the expectations of others, or it could be the habits and routines that no longer support them. Now, I think I'm so passionate about this because it's stuff I've had to work on in my own life and that I honestly am still working on in some capacity. So um, all of the lessons and anything I talk about on my website, on my podcast, most of it is because it's stuff that I've done myself or at least aspire to do myself when because I'm human and I'm never 100% um, perfect. And you know, I've always enjoyed an organized space, even from the time that I was younger. But I, my big aha decluttering moment came really when we traveled as a family. So when our daughter was just 12 months old, we sold 95% of what we owned, we packed up what remained, and we traveled Europe for six months. Now, most people think that is the moment that we realized we had too much stuff and you know all the things that come along with that, but it's actually not. The true light bulb moment came later. After we had finished traveling for the six months, we returned to the US, we bought a house, um, you know, we were living closer to family, we in a new new city and i wasn't methodical or even really even careful about what we let into our home so and before i knew it our house just started to feel cluttered we had let other people's expectations of what we were supposed to be doing be a big part of what we bought and how we lived and you know it just it all started to weigh on us and so we moved again but this time we worked together and we being my husband and i to not let that clutter mess happen again and that was the big declutter moment. There were a lot of frugal lessons along the way, and I'm really excited to talk to you about that. Um, But back to your question, I think it's more of a skill that's blossomed over time. So like anything, I've gotten better at it as I've practiced it more and more, and I start to live my life in that way. And in the same way, I would describe myself as a minimalist. I'm not extreme. That's why my podcast is called Wannabe Minimalist. It's more about striving to live that better life with less stuff and then showing others what is possible. And it's a mindset. It's a skill set. It's growing with me over time. Life changes and the stuff that we need or really, I mean, we probably don't need it, but the stuff that we want in life changes. And so we have to make adjustments along the way. It's not about depriving ourselves. I definitely am not about um, you know, living with the least amount possible. I definitely want to enjoy some of the joys and the conveniences in life, but I am all for taking a pause and just thinking about why we want something or what it will do for us before we make that purchase, before we bring something into our homes, before we let something into our lives, because really that is the most important part about this whole minimalism decluttering thing. It's not necessarily just the stuff. It could be the relationships. It could be the commitments. It could be the jobs. It could be, you know, the friends we let in and all that kind of stuff. So um, I think it all comes back to the same thing. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, a lot of people go on the journey to figure out, you know, that they want to be more intentional, that they want to live with less. But to take it to the next step and start teaching people, is is pretty big. Like at what point did you think 
I need to start sharing this with people or I need to start teaching other people the skills I've learned. How how did that happen? Um, I think that was mostly because some of my friends had asked, right? I think that's how a mm-hmm. lot of us start. Like my friends or my um my mom uh kind of just wanted some lessons for like, okay, well you, I, it actually, a lot of it started with traveling in a carry-on. So mm-hmm. we did um, not that trip with the six months with the, you know, baby, because we still had to have a crib with us. So we did have a full size suitcase that did fit our crib in it. We had one of the um, Phil and Ted travelers, amazing mm-hmm. cribs. And um, so that wasn't necessarily a super light packing, but throughout my life, I've always traveled with carry on. We did another stint in Europe for five months over the summer before we moved to Germany for um, about eight months. And that time our daughter was five and we did do five months in a carry on. So I think a lot of it started there. Like my aunt was curious about it. My mom was curious about it. And just how can you, you know, how can you live with all your normal life without having as much stuff. So I think it just came from those lessons. And I figured, well, if all these people are asking questions about it, maybe more people are asking questions about it. And I've always kind of had a startup, an entrepreneurial spirit. Um, it's one of the reasons my I think I'm frugal. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and so I think I've always kind of done more with less. It's just been something I've done. And so I figured if other people had those questions, then I might as well share them and see if I can help other people on their path. Because I do think that we, I was listening to one of your recent episodes about FOPO, the fear of other people's opinions. Mm -hmm. And I I agree with you. Like, I think it's so easy to fall into that trap of, um, you know, just doing what everybody says you should do or Mm -hmm. having all the stuff everybody else says you should have. And it's especially now with social media, it's so much easier to fall into that trap of thinking I need this or if I get this, I'll be happy. Or if I get to this point, I'll be happy. Or if I do this thing, or if I have this much money, or if I, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And I think really it comes back to who we are as a person. And I really believe that if we as people were happier, the world would be a happier place. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So let's get on to frugality because I am excited to have this chat. And so I did a bit of um, looking up. The Britannica Dictionary describes the word frugal as careful about spending money or using things when you do not need to, using money or supplies in a very careful way. So Deanna, would you, I mean, you've described yourself as frugal, but do you know where that that tendency or that trait came from? Like, was it, is it something that, would you describe your parents as frugal? Did you learn it from them? Or is it a behavior you've, you've kind of acquired over time based on the lifestyle you've been living? Sure. So I would say my parents are polar opposites, um, not necessarily to myself, but to each other. So um, maybe my mom is more frugal. Um, And so I probably do get the tendency genetically from her. But as growing up, I wouldn't look back on my life and say that it felt frugal. Um, I feel like my dad is very generous. And so one way that he likes to show his love is through giving and giving things and giving gifts. So I don't necessarily feel like I grew up in a very frugal home. Um, But it definitely is something that just kind of comes innately to me. I've always been a saver. Um, Like even when I was 10 years old, I remember I saved up enough money to purchase my own cat. Now, back then, shelters weren't a big thing. I'm a little bit older. So, you know, these these shelters and rescue shelters weren't as popular or um, as as in the forefront. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I remember we went and I saved up my money for a very long time to get this cat. And um, I don't know, that's just always something that's been stuck with me. There's only 10 at the time. Um, and my husband and I, oh, it was a huge deal. It was huge. And it was just something I really wanted. And I was always able to do that, to save for something. If I had a goal in mind, if I didn't have something in mind, of course, it's hard to just save for some rainy day and, you know, especially as a kid. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's, it's hard as an adult. I mean, heck, I mean, that's why so many people in the U.S. don't have savings accounts because it's hard to do that. Um, But I think my husband and I were chatting about this because 
I wanted to get his opinion on it. We've been together for so long. And he, you know, he pointed out, he's like, well, we do things very, like we have a lot of the same end goals, but it's really funny because we don't do anything the same way. Like we have different personalities. Like I'm an extrovert. He's an introvert. Um, I make quick decisions. He likes to be methodical and take his time. And so it's really funny because our goals can be similar, but the way we get there is so Mm -hmm. different. So it's been a really fun ride. But when it comes to frugality, we started a business together. So I was talking about that entrepreneurial streak that I had. Mm -hmm. And so we started a business together early on. It was a bootstrapped startup, which means We didn't take outside funding. And so we had to be very careful with our spending. You know, we've always both been hard workers and and kind of um, along those lines. So it wasn't hard for us to do that necessarily. But, you know, we've always, you know, out of college, you know, you just kind of didn't move past. We didn't get a high paying job right out of college. I think maybe that made a bit of a difference too. We kind of started businesses instead. And so it was just easier to kind of keep living that more college-like lifestyle instead Mm -hmm. of going from a place where we had a lot of money and then had to, you know, really pull back the reins. Um, Second, we, I think we're frugal because spending less money gives us more freedom to choose how we want to spend our lives. So we have been able to save money and travel. So instead of um doing a a one you know one week vacation, we've taken a break in our life where we did 6 months in Europe, but we didn't have an apartment or a home in the US that we were paying for. We just had an apartment in our travels that we were paying for. So we do mm-hmm. one month at a time and rent an Airbnb. So I think those kinds of things, looking at life in a slightly different way, can open you up to getting to do more and still be frugal and save money. I like that answer. That's really good. And that's it's it's fascinating because, you know, the way you talk about um, people getting a high-paying job out of college or whatever, and it's amazing how quickly – your lifestyle just eats away at the extra money. Like uh-huh. we we become accustomed to living in a certain way. And then when we earn more, so many of us just jump straight into spending more. And it's like if I could live on $100 a week less, you know, a year ago or six months ago or three months ago, how can I not do that now? You know, like why don't anything extra I earn, I just save mm-hmm. or I use to pay off debt or whatever. But so often anything more we get, we just have that lifestyle creep and it eats away. And all of a sudden people are earning, you know, double what they started on, but still have nothing additional to show for it because the extras just come in. So I think, I think it's really interesting the way you talked about um, starting off smaller and that you could, you could kind of keep your lifestyle in check um, and then use the money as it came in to uh, boost your kind of experiences rather than just the amount of stuff you own. Yeah. There are many possible reasons. Um, I I did some looking up online for, you know, the main reasons that people might choose to be frugal. So I guess this is when people are trying to make intentional decisions and cut back and are looking at a new kind of lifestyle rather than people just being inherently frugal based on the way they're brought up or their stories around money. And some of the reasons that were um, given for why people chose a frugal life uh, include wanting to reduce or avoid debt, wanting to boost savings, wanting a simpler or more intentional life, wanting to be less wasteful for the sake of the environment, wanting to reduce clutter, wanting to let go of perfectionism and spending the money in the pursuit of happiness. So you mentioned before that for you frugality has created this sense of freedom to enjoy your life and the things you want to do, including travel. Do you you see that as the greatest benefit? Yeah, I definitely do. Um, I absolutely agree with that list that you just listed. Um, I think all of those play a part into why we're frugal. But when it really boils down to it, it is about that freedom. Um, Mm -hmm. And it is that being able to hold off on that instant gratification right now allows us to make the choice of how we want to spend our lives because we have less stuff. You know, 
this, this is what I talk about and why I am so passionate about people living with less stuff because it's allowed us to do some really amazing things. It's allowed us to move around for jobs. It's allowed us to move around for fun. Um, that second stint in Europe where we did um, five months just traveling around. I mean, just a super fun long summer. It was amazing. And then we kind of settled down and decided to be in Germany for a while. We had toyed with the idea of actually living there for longer. Um, but we made the decision literally two weeks before we left to extend the trip. It was just going to be one month in Spain. I had burnt myself out at work and it was just going to be a one month stint. But when we looked at it, we figured out that kindergarten was not required in 35 of the 50 states in the US. And that the states that it was required in were on the East Coast. And while I love the East Coast, it's further from our families. So we knew we wouldn't live on the East Coast. We knew we would either be Midwest or West Coast. And so we knew the states that we would eventually move to didn't require kindergarten. So that gave us the freedom of an additional year that we didn't have before. And so not having this stuff tying us down or these like big obligations has given us that freedom. We can splurge when we want without credit card debt because we know that we've saved up for that rainy day and we don't have to live on you know, this kind of stress of always paying money back. It allows us to have a cleaner house with less effort because I have less stuff to clean. We get to say yes to more experiences. We save money and we do more things with less guilt. So I had a friend um, here visiting a few weeks ago and she was shocked that I actually use plastic Ziploc bags. Don, don, don. I know. It's kind of like a guilty thing, right? I'm supposed to use the stash of bags. I'm supposed to do all this stuff. But then she was talking about how they had just bought these Adirondack chairs from Costco that are plastic. And to me, in my head, I've tried stasher bags. I use them for some things. We use a lot of a lot of different things. Like we'll use like bento boxes for lunches and things like that. So we don't actually use a plastic bag to pack lunches or things. But I do have them in my house because the convenience factor for me is worth it. But I don't buy the plastic Adirondack chairs from Costco mm -hmm. because I don't need those. So for me, it allows me to have these conveniences that aren't necessarily the right thing I'm supposed to do, the proper environmental thing I'm supposed to do. But I hold back on buying so many other things that I'm like, okay, well, that one box of plastic bags and they last a decent amount of time because I don't use them for everything. You know, I give myself that ability to have that convenience and I try to let go of the guilt. Apparently, I still feel it a little bit because <laughs> it sounds like it as I'm talking through it on this show. But I do kind of try to make those trade-offs in my life and I feel like those play into this idea of frugality. Like I save up the the thing that I'm, you know, I save up on some things so that I can do other things. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And let's get, since we're talking nitty gritty, let's get <laughs> into it. Like, I mean, frugality is often referred to in relation to money or food. And I think kind of my first real appreciation of a frugal lifestyle was um, I bought a recipe book many, many years ago, which was called like the frugal kitchen or something. And I I don't know what it was that attracted me to it, but I loved, I mean, people that listen to this show know that one of my pet peeves is food waste. Mm. And I think it was, it was pre the whole low waste, you know, movement and that kind of stuff. This is like years and years ago. And there was something about it that just appealed to me. And it was like full of, I mean, it had recipes but it was full of tips and this is what I loved and things like if you're, you know, juicing a lemon to, I don't know, add to a cocktail or put in a cake or whatever, before you juice the lemon, zest it and put it in a little container and freeze the zest. And then next time you need lemon zest for something you've already got, you don't need to go and buy a whole new lemon, you already have lemon zest in the freezer. Or like in my house, my kids used to hate the crusts off their bread and so instead of cutting the crusts off and chucking them all out, cut them off, cut them off, then cut them into like little cubes or little squares and freeze them all. And next time you make soup, fry them up as croutons. And it was so it was all these little tips for ways to not necessarily buy more, but the stuff that you are currently wasting, turn it into something useful. And that 
kind of hooked me and I was like, ooh, frugality is not a dirty word. It's an amazing word. Like this is, is phenomenal. So I guess um, my question after all of that is, is that like kind of true for your experience? Like when you think of frugality in your day-to-day life, beyond just um, not buying some things and being, you know, very intentional with what you bring in, are you quite, would you say you're frugal in relation to food or more so just with money and spending? How, how does it work in your house? Yeah. So definitely the money and spending, obviously. Um, with the food, the way I look at frugality, I don't know if I'm as frugal as that cookbook, although it sounds really interesting and I do love those ideas. Um, I'm probably just guilty of just eating the bread crusts myself instead of chucking them. Um, but we'll save that for another day. And um, let's see. So with food, I meal plan. And mm-hmm. so that allows me to then – I only go grocery shopping every two weeks. It's a task I do not like doing, and so I only mm-hmm. do it every two weeks. However, I am very lucky that I live in San Diego, and we have a wonderful CSA, so that's Community Supported Agriculture, where I get produce delivered to my house every week. So that's how I'm able to then only go to the grocery store every two weeks for things like dairy, eggs, you know, meats, cheeses, things like that. Mm-hmm. And so the fresh produce comes to me, and I don't actually get to pick with it. So I think being frugal too is also looking at things in a different way and being able to substitute an option that maybe you hadn't thought of. So like, let's say a recipe that I had planned to make this week calls for broccoli, but we didn't get broccoli. We got Brussels sprouts or green beans. Well, I'll just substitute those in. Like that for me is a way to be frugal too, because I know a lot of people that want to do things extremely by the book. So they will have a recipe and it says you have to have these very specific ingredients. Well, honestly, half the time I'm just swapping stuff in. Like I didn't have hoisin sauce for a recipe the other day. I used like barbecue sauce and um, I don't know, honey. I think it was barbecue sauce and honey. It tasted pretty good. Like I'm Mm -hmm. always experimenting with that kind of stuff because I didn't want to have to run out to the store to get hoisin sauce or I know, and some people are listening to this going, oh my God, that's just, I can't believe she did that. Um, But we're not- Foodies in our house. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, my thing is too, if I have to run out to buy hoisin sauce, I'm not coming home with just hoisin sauce. I'll see five other things that I didn't know I needed until I got there or decide I wanted. And instead of spending $3 on a bottle of hoisin sauce, I'll spend $20 on other things that I really could have lived without this week, you know, and may do. Absolutely. So I think, well, you know, they're all the one percenters, but I think that's the thing that over time, these little, little changes and little frugality um, moments add up to some big outputs. Yeah, I agree. And so, and that's one thing I do too. I try to only have one errand day a week. And so I will try to, over the week, write down all the things that we need, right? Like if it comes up, so my daughter just started junior guards. Well, she needed new sunglasses. She needed a you know few things for that. She needed a, a new sunblock and all these kinds of things. So I just add them to the list and we have one specific day that's errand day because it is hard, like you said, to say no to those impulse buys. But if you only have to do it one time a week, it's much easier to say no as you're standing in the checkout going, oh, I don't need that thing. Or you know, as you pass by something, you're like, oh, that's cute. And you're like, if I just have mm-hmm. 30 seconds or even 10 seconds of being able to say, nope, I don't need that, it's much easier. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So, and so then, that makes sense. Um, Frugality with money then, uh-huh. is it in your house, is it mainly about being intentional or you do you set a budget and try and, you know, um, keep your grocery shopping to a certain amount? Like how how would you describe frugality in terms of money for you? Yeah, I would I would love to say that I am great at setting a budget and sticking to it all the time. Um we have ballparks, right? So Everything has started to go up a little bit. So you I've definitely noticed that as I go. We are pretty um, simple in how we eat and where we shop. I shop at Aldi. I do it every two weeks. I have a pretty good idea about what my bill is going to be because it's something I've been doing over and over and over again. Um, 
And so I know that when I go, I'm going to get the, you know, I'm going to get this chicken, I'm going to get this turkey, I'm going to get these cheeses. And so a lot of times the, um, the base ingredients that I get are very similar. Now, one thing I do, I actually did this when we lived in Germany because I, it's just grocery shopping is not a chore I love. And Mm -hmm. Living in Europe, people go to the store all the time, almost on a daily basis. And that was not really something I wanted to do, but I also didn't have a car. I couldn't do my American way of this giant, you know, trip. There's no Costco's there. Mm-hmm. And so um, I created a capsule meal plan idea where I would make one week worth of food with only 25 ingredients. So I might buy a little extra chicken that week, but I'm going to make seven meals dinner meals with these same 25 ingredients. So one week might be a Mexican theme, one week might be a Thai theme, one week might be Italian. And so by buying the different um, ingredients and the different flavors that are necessary, you're able to use up more of that product. So if I need a tomato sauce, well, I can buy you know a bigger can of tomato sauce and I can use it out over the week or enchilada sauce for Mexican week or you know Thai spices for Thai week. And that way I'm not having to get the different flavors for the different days of the week. And so it would still be like, you know, Taco Tuesday and Casserole Wednesday or (laughs) Pasta Mm -hmm. Thursday, whatever, if you wanted to kind of label them. You know, we do hamburgers, we do pizza, but the flavors for that week would change based on what I was buying for. And I really enjoyed that. And I've done that several times. Um, I can't say that I stick to it all the time, but I definitely have done it several times. And when I'm feeling in a food funk, I go right back to that because it's just a fun way to be able to spend a little bit less because you're buying fewer ingredients, and then just kind of have a little bit of a, a palate change. And by the time the week runs out, you're like, okay, I'm ready for a new flavor. And it's just perfect because it transfers into a different flavor for the next week. Oh, that's a really cool idea. I've never heard Thanks. of that before, but I'm <laughs> definitely going to take that on. I mean, at this time in life, in history, right now, housing and food and fuel prices amongst everything else are all rising. So it's not a bad thing to be more careful and less wasteful and aspire to make your money go further. But I am sure that you agree with me in thinking that frugality gets a bit of a bad rap and that quite often people who confess to being frugal or talk about frugality are thought of as being cheap or stingy. And I can't stand that because I believe they're not the same thing. So do you want to talk to me about your understanding of the difference between being cheap and being frugal? Yeah, sure. I am 100% on board with you with cheap and frugal are not the same thing. Um, To me, cheap is spending as little as possible. And it's it's buying the thing for the immediate gratification or the thing you need right now or that will solve your immediate problem, but you're not planning for the long term. And it really all boils down to that base cost. How can I get this for the least amount of spend? For me, frugal is about being more selective on how you spend your money and you're planning for the longevity. So for instance, in our house, our last big purchase was a new couch. We moved into a new home in November and we needed a couch. Now, we could have gone with IKEA or the furniture outlet, you know, in the area, but we chose a brand that is known for its quality and longevity because we want it to last. I mean, sure, of course it's going to cost us more in the immediate future. It was a pretty penny to spend, but it's going to be something that we will be able to have for years. It's a neutral color palette. We can get into that in a minute. But, you know, it's something that I can see us living with for a long time. And for us, comfort was a big thing. We only have one living room. So it's not like we have a, you know, formal space and a comfy space. I need it to, I don't need it to, but I want it to look nice um, and be comfortable and be a place that we as a family can, you know, cuddle up and watch a movie or sit and have conversations with friends. And so for me, frugality, you know, I picked this couch because it, it ticked all the boxes. We took our time buying it. We, you know, made sure we sat on a lot of different couches and that we all loved it as a family. We went furniture shopping as a family, and we sat on like 50 couches and picked this one. So again, intention, right? It comes down to intention. And frugality is also more for me like a cost per use. So if I can Mm. use something longer, and it means that that cost 
that I, you know, every time I use it, it gets a cost per use and it goes down over time. So it's more economically responsible. It's more environmentally responsible because you're using it longer. And so even though it was a bigger investment at the beginning, it's kind of that, I'm sure you've heard this saying, but it's the, um, cry once, spend once or something like that, where you know, you're like, oh, you kind of cringe a little bit when you spend the money, but you're not going to have to spend it over and over and over because you got something that was high quality. Yeah. And see, that's the thing. That's the thing about being cheap or stingy, which is so different because really the only consideration is the cost. I think when you're talking about someone that's cheap or that's stingy, that simply motivated and 100% focused on cost alone, where frugality, I think, is about, it It's definitely requires more intention and probably a lot more research because you are aware of price, but you're aware of price uh, in relation to its longevity and its quality, not just the price. Right. Um, and one other thing before we move on past this, it doesn't necessarily just have to be for physical things either. It can be for experiences and even spending time with friends, right? So maybe uh, one way people can think of like being cheap or stingy is like if they get together with their friends and and you know you always have that one friend that doesn't want to spend any money well sometimes it's because maybe their life environment is a little bit different so i think we need to be a little concerned you know not concerned about that but just aware of that like that we should not necessarily think that everybody should spend the same amount of money but also enjoying the experience and like the whole point of life i think is to um, I think relationships make life really important. And so it doesn't necessarily have to be that you spend a lot of money to get together with people, but you can, when you choose to spend your money, it can be on sharing experiences with people. So inviting people over into your home and sharing a meal together doesn't have to be expensive, um, but it's a way that we can choose to spend our money. And I find that a frugal investment. Like instead of going out and spending a lot of money, we have a lovely you know, evening at home. We can have higher quality food and just easier conversation. It's not as loud. The kids get to play and go off and do their own thing. And, and so those are other ways that we kind of look at being frugal in our life, not necessarily just the stuff, but those experiences as well. Yeah, brilliant. So you mentioned that they're about entertaining at home. Can you think of uh, any other areas where people might be more frugal as a means of either, you know, saving money or helping the planet or just generally being more intentional? Yeah. I think the big thing that got me into frugality was kind of where we went back to the beginning and talked about decluttering. And it really started a lot with my wardrobe and with traveling. And oh gosh, my clothes were a hot mess for a very long time. I would not call myself a fashionista by any means, but I did find that when I would pare down my, when I pared down my clothes to travel, it definitely heightened my style factor and I have less clothes now. So, <laughs> um, mm -hmm. and I get to buy higher quality clothes and I can buy things that are maybe a little bit more, um, environmentally friendly or, um, just have a better impact and, and pay people a living wage and those kinds of things with clothes. So, that second time we traveled, we did it in a carry-on suitcase and we were going to Europe. So, I wanted my style to be slightly elevated because, let's be honest, the yep. U.S. sometimes doesn't have the best style. And, and so I wanted to be able to, you know, feel great no matter where we were going or what we were doing. And putting all of that in one carry-on is quite a, a you know, mm -hmm. that's quite a, a fence to jump over. It's a little bit much. But I was able to do it. And I think after those five months being like, I felt good. I had a great color palette. You know, choosing to lessen what we have, like instead of giving myself the choice of the entire rainbow and having one yellow shirt and one red shirt and, you know, a few black things and a few brown things, really the black and the brown, I think is the biggest difference. Um, by saying, okay, my base color is going to be black. That means I'm going to have black shoes. I'm going to have a neutral shoe and I'm going to have a sandal, right? Or I'm going to have a walking shoe and, you know, whatever. Being mm -hmm. able to pare it down to a few things and then say, everything has to go with this stuff. So I'm going to have a pair of jeans. I'm going to have a pair of black pants. I'm going to have, you know, clothes that all fit within this color palette. I think that 
can work really well. And there's tons of people that talk about capsule wardrobes. There's tons of people talk about style. I'm sure you have covered it multiple times on your show. Um, (laughs) And so, you know, I'm, like I said, I'm not a style person. I'm not the person to go in and tell you what you should be buying. But I think knowing your personal taste and what you feel good in helps you avoid the trends. And I think that's actually one of the best ways to be frugal because you know what works for you. If you start to buy the trends and what is great now, it's harder for you to have that for a long time, or it's hard for you to feel amazing when you walk out the door. Like oftentimes it's really easy to go into a store and the salesperson says, oh, that looks great on you. And you get it home and you put it on in front of your mirror and you're like, "Uh, I don't know, but they said it looked great. But if you don't feel great in it, you really should just allow yourself to let it go because you're not going to feel great in it tomorrow or the next day. You just got to go with your gut on this kind of stuff. And so, I mean, I think that's one way for myself. Um, I have a few more examples. Do you want to, like, I got a nitty gritty one. Okay. Let's try them. Okay. So let's talk about my daughter's clothes and shoes. (laughs) Um, So my daughter has a self- imposed wardrobe. She has a very distinct style. She kind of wears the same thing every day. And that wasn't, I don't think I directed her in that like that way. I mean, she's seen me kind of do the same thing. So maybe she just emulated it from me. But one thing she loves are Converse shoes. Now, mm-hmm. in the past, we have tried different shoes. We've had, you know, a couple different options. But honestly, now we buy her one pair of shoes that she wears every single day. So This girl currently has, oh, let's say four pairs of shoes. She has a pair of hiking boots because we do go hiking around here. She has a pair of water shoes because we go to the lake at my parents. Um, She has a pair of flip-flops because we go to the beach. And she has a pair of Converse tennis shoes. Now, those Converse shoes she wears every day. She wears them to school every day. She wore them to camp every day. And it's the same pair. And Mm -hmm. we don't buy her new ones until those ones are worn out. It saves us time, money, energy, my sanity in the morning. There's no hunting for shoes. There's no decision to be made in the morning. And when she wears them out, we buy a new pair. And it feels good for the environment too. You know, we've tried otherwise and it just doesn't work. And I think, you know, (laughs) some parents might feel kind of bad about that. Like, oh, we only have one pair of shoes. So what are people going to think we can't afford another pair of shoes? And it's like, I can't be bothered by that. She's going to pick the same darn pair of shoes every time anyway. So I'm just going to buy the one pair. It's so great that you figured that out early. <laughs> it took me years because I would buy, I would, I would buy my girls like, you know, all of the shoes. I'm like, they need it like a dressy sandal. They need like a casual sandal. They need like, like the same amount of shoes that I have, but I've accumulated those over years and years. Yeah. And my foot size doesn't change and my kids would have a selection of like eight or nine pairs of shoes which within three to four months then don't fit them anymore and I'd be like but we didn't you've like you've maybe worn that pair once and the same thing then they'd be like what do you want to wear like we're going out for dinner what do you want to wear with your dress like this selection of you know fancy shoes I'll just well you know my kids were like I just want to wear my high tops or I just want to wear my cons or like whatever the same thing the trainers always got the and I'm like why why (laughs) do I spend so I was like you know what we don't live a million miles from a store how about we go the other way and we'll just we'll buy you the basics same thing a couple of basic pairs that we know you will we know you will wear and then if an occasion arises where we feel like you want some fancy shoes to wear with that dress out we can go to the store and we can buy you them. But most of the time they'd be like, no, no, I'm happy to wear my trainers. I'm happy to. And and it took me years to figure that out. I think say the amount of money and the amount of, you know, the environment we could have saved by not buying excess of shoes, which we really didn't need. And I think then you extrapolate that out and it's not just kids' shoes, it's kids' clothes, it's right. kids' jackets. How many jackets or coats does a kid need? At any age, probably one or a raincoat and a winter coat, that's it. And when they grow out, you replace them. And once they stop growing, then if they want to accumulate more, they can do that over time. But yeah, I think I think it's awesome that you figured that out so early because it took me a long time. (laughs) No worries. Well, I mean, my daughter is nine. So I mean, it took us a little while too. (laughs) 
Um, yeah. Another thing we do in our life, my husband was reminding me this. He goes, it's our parking pass. So we spend a lot of time at the beach. We live in San Diego. The beach is obviously one of our favorite places to be in the summer. But something that is frugal, definitely not cheap, is to buy the parking pass to the state beach that's near us. Because again, when we weigh these purchases, like how is this going to positively affect my life? Like that's how we look at things when we buy them. And this parking pass, it's worth it. I mean, it's pretty expensive, but it lasts for the whole year and it allows us to park closer. Now you can park, you can find public street parking, but you have to walk at least half a mile to get to the beach. Mm -hmm. Now, when I'm dragging a surfboard, a boogie board, towels, lunch, all of this stuff, I don't want to have to walk an extra half mile. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so we don't have to search for the spot. That way we're not fighting over, oh, there's a spot over there. No, there's a spot over there. Okay, drive fast. Go, you know, go get the spot. And then we miss it. You know, you start to like all of that negative energy can pile up too. And then we save money because we bring our lunch with us. Did you notice I said that as we're one of the things we're bringing from the car is our lunch. So I'm not spending money on lunch out. So I'm saving money there in order to buy the parking pass so that our life at the beach, the day at the beach is way more fun and just a more enjoyable experience because we didn't have to fight for parking. So these are the little things that add up. Yeah, the little things. Absolutely. (laughs) I could talk to you about frugality all day, but... um, in one of your episodes on your podcast recently, you talked um, about frugal failures. Uh-huh. And so I want you to explain to us what what is a frugal fail and can you give us some examples? Oh, gosh, yes. There's a few. Um, so I think the frugal fail is when you cross that line over into cheap. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? So it's yep. like you go a little too far and – So one that I talked about on that show was um, this flight out of – okay, so it was a flight. We were flying from San Diego to uh, Des Moines, Iowa. That's where my husband's family lives. And the flight we could take – it would take a connecting flight from San Diego to Des Moines, or they had a direct flight from Vegas to Des Moines. Now, I know that sounds kind of crazy, but it was kind of, you know, right around that it was right pre-COVID. So, you know, you never know about the weather around Thanksgiving and Christmas and, you know, those end of the year holidays um, for us in the States get a little, you know, dicey because as you're traveling to where it snows, it, you never know. We've gotten stuck on flights before and, you know, things have gotten canceled. So we try to always book direct. Well, there was not a direct option. And so we decided to drive to Vegas. Now, Vegas from us is about five, five and a half hours. So when you factored in getting to the airport, the connecting flight, you know, and all of that stuff, travel time was about the same. We were saving money on a direct flight. It was a lot cheaper than the connecting flight. And so we thought this will be a great idea. Let's just, let's do it. (laughs) Famous last words. Mm -hmm. Because the drive home was bumper to bumper traffic out of Vegas to Riverside County, which is probably about an hour away, like without traffic from our place. So we were in bumper to bumper traffic for eight hours coming back from Vegas. Uh Um, And then an additional like hour. So it took us just over nine hours to get home. It was torture. It was after midnight by the time we got home. It was pure torture. So that was definitely a frugal fail. You will never find us trying to, you know, finagle a flight again. We will, you know, we'll figure something out. We'll yeah, and our I dates guess, before that. <laughs> I was going to say, I guess that's the difference because if you were just cheap, you'd be like, that's fine because I paid less yeah. for the flight at any cost, you know, like at any cost to my time or efficiency or, you know, enjoyment because it's only about the dollar va- value or the dollar factor. Um, But when you're frugal, it's about, you know, the value of the thing. And so then the dollars uh, versus the time, you've got to factor that all in. So yeah, okay. A frugal fail. I like it. (laughs) Yeah. Another thing we tried was um, we tried the first time we traveled Europe, we tried to do tablets as phones. So the Google Nexus 7, I think, was the thing at the time. And, it, you know, it was it was about the size of like a Kindle maybe. So mm-hmm. bigger than a phone, smaller than an iPad. 
And we thought, okay, this will be great. We'll get, <laughs> we'll get like SIM cards when we get there. We'll do this thing. That was another thing that was a failure. I would say sometimes for us, the fails come in these experiments where we try to do more maybe with something than it, than its intended use. Or maybe yeah. we just, you know, we've lived in smaller places, you know, apartments in cities and, you know, done different things where we're traveling for long stints where we try to push the envelope a little bit. And, mm-hmm. you know, try to save money, try to do things that are a little bit different. And those tend to be frugal fails. My husband bought a weight bench that, you know, you're supposed to use with workout bands. And, you know, we got it because we needed to save space. It was during COVID and we were living in a different place at the time. And so we didn't have as much room for a weight rack and all the things that go there, but he still wanted to work out, not go to the gym. And now it's something we need to get rid of. <laughs> because the bands didn't work as well and it just kind of didn't work as advertised. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, in the, it's an example again of something that we hoped would be able to perform multiple functions that we wanted to push kind of that envelope a little bit, but didn't in the end work out. I'm not sure I'm selling frugality at this point very well, <laughs> but I do think that, you know, it does come down to that, that being cheap and going over that line, right? trying, instead of doing something that was a little bit more expensive, we picked the cheaper option in the hope that it would be the thing that would work and it didn't work. And so then we just have to, you know, kind of eat it as like, okay, well, it was a learning experience and we can move on. So I'm hoping that I haven't totally thrown people off with these no, fails. I don't, I don't <laughs> but I am human and we try and things happen. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, that's, I mean, People spend a lot of money and then have fails as well, even when they're not being frugal because they think something will live up to the hype or, you know, whatever. Um, And we are human. So do you have (laughs) any final thoughts on frugality? Um, Do you think, you know, that we can boost the image or the appeal of frugality at all with any final words? Well, let's see. I hope I didn't, like I said, I hope I did an okay job earlier. It didn't throw people off. But um, I think if I wanted to boil frugality down to it, and a lot of it is for us, it's a trade-off, right? So we save money in some areas. And the areas where we save money are the things that don't matter as much to us right? So again, Mm -hmm. I said, we're not foodies. So we bring our own lunch to the beach so that we can have that parking pass because we're saving money on the things that don't matter so that we can spend money on the things or the experiences that we really want that are going to make a big positive impact on our lives. And again, they're not going to be the same for us as they are for someone else, but it just helps. And those, I think that parking pass is a really good example Mm where we live in a smaller home so that we have more money to travel. You know, I mean, we have a lot of friends that would rather have the big home, but we're just not, that's just not important for us. You Mm -hmm. know, we've been able to move around a lot. We've been able to switch job opportunities or have better life experiences because we haven't had a lot of stuff weighing us down. We've never said like, oh, it would just be too daunting to move. We just say like, okay, that's what we want to do. And I think it really comes down to what is important to us, what we want out of life, and It's like that saying, right? You can do anything you want. You just can't do everything. And I think if you look at that into the things you bring into your home or the things you bring into your life, I think that really kind of nails frugality. It's trading that immediate high of buying something right now in exchange for the long-term satisfaction. And that could be in terms of convenience or it could be in terms of freedom or it can be fewer decisions that you have to make on a regular basis. But it's kind of that just hitting the pause button and saying, okay, that would be easier now, but this is going to be better for longer. Yeah. And I think, I think people really just need to get clarity around what it is for them that is most important and what is less important. And I think that's where lots of people um, fall down is that they don't, they, they listen to outside sources or other people's opinions or what's trending. Um, to tell them what is important to them rather than them having the space, maybe the peace and um, a bit of, I don't know, uh, time out from the rest of the world to figure out what that truly is for them. And I think once you've got that sorted, um, it makes the whole process of um, delaying gratification and saving here so that you can spend there a whole lot easier. Yeah. 
And what helped me kind of get to that point, I before we sign off, I want to say that it's probably a gratitude journal, which is really funny mm-hmm. because it's we're delaying that gratification. But I think when we start to find out, like once you write down the things you're grateful for, and I would highly recommend writing them down so that in about a month you can look back and you'll start to see the things that are important to you. Those are the things you're grateful for. Um, because if they're not important to you, you don't even notice them. You're not going to say that you're grateful for them because they don't even make it onto your radar. So if you're having a hard time figuring out what it is that you're grateful for, I would highly recommend starting a gratitude journal and just writing down one to five things that you're grateful for that day. That's a really good tip. That's a perfect note to end on. So, um, I'm sure people will want to know more about you or listen to your podcast or follow along on your journey uh, towards minimalism. So can you let us know where you hang out online, what your website is and your social handles? Of course. I would love to have you all join me. Um, My podcast is Wannabe Minimalist, and you can find it wherever you prefer to listen. Um, I'm on all the things. Um, Or you can find me on my website, and that is wannabeclutterfree.com. And there I have lots of resources and downloads and several of them are free. So you can find that there if you want help with any of this stuff. And I'm on social and I am want to be clutter free there. And I'm on Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest. Perfect. And I will put links to all of those in the show notes so that people that are looking for you can find them all in one place. Um, Thank you so much for joining me. It's been awesome chatting. Oh, Tara, this has been so much fun. Thank you for having me. No worries. And um, if you want to come and join us in our Facebook community and chat about some of the frugal things you do, maybe even confession time, tell us about your frugal fails so that we can all learn from each other. That would be awesome. And we will be back with you again next week. Thanks for joining us. We'd love it if you'd leave a review or tell all your friends about us so that they too can be uncluttered. If you would like to connect with us, you can find us at beuncluttered.com.au or on social media or on our own websites at rebeccamazino.com.au and basklifecoaching.com. Mm-hmm.